Greetings, greetings, greetings on Queen Bidavon. And this is The Cure is a Conversation. And why do I call The Cure the Conversation? Because when we talk, we not only lighten this load and validate our voices, we get to share ideas and insights that may help the, the, the listener, the generations, to move forward with a more positive mental health outlook. And what does mental health mean? It means keeping your mind ready and making the best decisions so you can be the best version of you. And today we have a great guest who is going to share his insights of how he defines his success and what he does. And maybe it'll inspire you to do what you need to do in this wonderful, great big earth. So let's introduce Matthew. Please, Matthew. And like I say, blase, blase means to tell your story. So introduce yourself to our wonderful listening audience. Wow, what an introduction. Thank you, Queen Bee. That's amazing. Thank you so much. <laughs> I live in Eastern Canada. I'm 50. I bicycled across Canada when I was 20, and I wanted to do more fun stuff like that when I was that age, but I got schizophrenia at the age of 22. So that took up a lot took up a lot of my time. <laughs> wow, yeah, I would say it took up a little bit of your time, eh? You're listening to The Cure Is Conversation with Queen B. Divine and Matthew D., who helps people with mental illness in developing countries. And today's topic is schizophrenia, the journey of recovery. So I, I went off to university in 1989 uh, after high school. And my first year, I noticed I, I was low on energy. And uh, anyway, in my second year, my third year, fourth, fifth, I was taking engineering. I noticed a symptom creep up about once a year, roughly. Uh, my second year, I sort of felt a bit blunted emotionally. My third year, I had another symptom come on. But these were all fairly mild compared to what was going to come down the tubes. I mean, in the middle of university, I biked across Canada and at the age of 20. But at the end of university, I, at the age of 22 in 1994, the disease hit hard and I went from sort of muddling through life somewhat to, yeah, in really rough shape, flat on my back, not knowing whether I was going to live or die from one moment to the next. So it's, uh, yeah, it's taken me a long slog to get out of there. But I want to tell people that it's possible, recovery is possible. Some people think schizophrenia, it's, there's no hope sort of thing. But there is a lot of people have lives that they're very happy with. And I'm one of them. I, and in fact, my symptoms disappeared in February of 2021. Oh. And yeah, yeah, they, I noticed an improvement in my health every single week from 94 until just a year ago. And every single week, I, it's, it's a long, slow, steady climb up. Right. And yeah, so. Wow, you know what, I want to say thank you for being here because you're definitely an inspiration because a lot of people, when they hear the term mental health or anything that's con that's connected to mental health, they don't see recovery. They just say, okay, it's pretty much over. You know, uh, you know, it, you know, and I'd love to see people say, no, that doesn't define who I am. I can do what I need to do. Where you could, can you share with our listening audience what what techniques you may you you've learned in your life that keep you grounded keep you focused on being healthy opposed the opposed to the diagnosis yeah so i will say one thing just to start off everything i have there's an article online called the seven myths of schizophrenia and i went looking for it a year ago i couldn't find it i haven't looked for it recently it may be back up again but one of the myths was uh, people, the disease can often leave in, say, their 
40s or 50s roughly and I, I don't know if that's what happened to me but I do know that I had an overwhelming desire to do things to get myself better so it's like it's like a lot of things you can you know, with, with schizophrenia it's a severe mental illness so medication is likely I was on a medication I still am the same one that I started taking in 94 at the very start it's an antipsychotic so that's one pillar you could say I went I went to counseling for seven years or so did that and as an advocate now I don't talk a whole lot about uh, different types of counseling or different types of medication I'm really not a very knowledgeable on all that stuff. Right. What I did is I read books on general mental health tips, mindset, resilience, people skills, uh, I mean diet, exercise, those sorts of things. It, it's sort of like I was sort of reading the lifestyle factor books on how to uh, get myself better. Right. You read so many books about uh, this disease or that disease and so many of them say there's a lifestyle factor component to prevention or getting better. And it's true with mental health. You can do things to prevent your chances of getting the disease in the first place, which is important. And uh, it's also to help get better too when you are sick with it. So I, I read a lot of books. That was one of the biggest things for me was that education. And I read hundreds of books on how to get myself better. And on my, uh, if anybody's interested on my website, mindaid.ca, I've got a list there under the free tips button. Uh, it's a list of my top books and articles that I that I keep recommending to people that have helped me so much. Uh, plus a music CD, or you can get it on your phone too, uh, for brain health, general brain health. Like it uses alpha, delta, theta, beta waves to recalibrate your brain for this general mental health. And that's uh, that's made by uh, Dr. Daniel Amen. So I read a lot of books. I went. I got a job. I uh, stayed at the job for 20 plus years. I I tried to exercise. Exercise was tough. After having bike across Canada, I wanted to do more <laughs> more intense stuff like that, but I just couldn't. One thing that I could do was walk. Wow. In the very beginning, walking was very it, it was something I could do. I did join the gym for a winter and went all winter, but. Of all my years of recovery, that was the only winter I could actually do that. The other winters, I just didn't have it in me. I really missed that. So I tried to eat, eat okay, I and mean, I'm not, uh, I'm not the best eater to begin with, and still I'm not. But I'm, I'm trying. And uh, yeah, you know, I was going to socialize those sorts of things. I was going to say, you know, um, you even in your recovery and making your mind fit and and keeping focus on healing. Um, I was going to ask you, how did your eating habits differ if they did? Did you have to increase anything into your your your, your daily diet? Did you have to decrease anything? Any, did anything change in that aspect? Yeah, so this was 94 when I first got diagnosed, and there wasn't a ton of literature on schizophrenia back then. And there, to be honest, there still isn't a lot of literature. There, there are some books on, for, you know, people who've gone through the disease. There are some books written on how to get through schizophrenia by a mental health, written by a mental health expert. I, the only thing I've read, uh, I read one thing, and I'm no expert, so you can listen to me with a dose of skepticism. <laughs> one book I read, I forget where, where, which book it was, but it said that sugar can play a role in schizophrenia. Um, and like I said, I could be totally wrong on that. <laughs> and, and another book talked about uh, high doses of vitamin C to help combat uh, schizophrenia, and, and I and I 
like I said, that's. But other than that, I uh, I have I, I just sort of read books or, or. But I will say there are a lot of books on diet for general brain health. Right. right. And I did read somewhere, and like I said, I could be wrong.、Uh, dark leafy greens and cruciferous vegetables like broccoli and、uh, Brussels sprouts. Those are really good for brain health. But if you go looking for foods that are good for the brain, there's a lot of articles out there on that. I, I could try to do better. I've heard、uh, wild blueberries, like the little kind, not the high bush kind. Those are good for brain health. Right. But yeah, it's.、Uh, <laughs> you know, you know, I know. I love that. that that's part part of the journey is, is is learning what worked for you and sharing that information. Because I know through through my my own journey, there were so many things I've learned. I'm like, I ain't a doctor, but I can tell you <laughs> that this worked for me. So you know, when you were diagnosed with schizophrenia, did you did you find that people were removing themselves from your life, or they were they rushing in to support you and help you with this diagnosis? You're listening to the Cure Is Conversation with Queen B Divine and Matthew D, who helps people with mental illness in developing countries. And today's topic is schizophrenia, the journey of recovery. So, over like almost thirty years of recovery, I like many, like everybody, had I had people come and go throughout my life, like everybody does. So there's that to consider because it's a long time. For recovery,、right. when I first got diagnosed, it was '94, and you couldn't talk about mental health as openly as you can now.、Um, in Canada, here in 2010, we had the Bell phone company "Let's Talk" campaign、yes. uh, once a year,、uh, and that was really big for starting the conversation of mental health. And now with COVID, things have blown wide open. But back then, it, I, you know, I had to. Be careful about who I said the word mental health to in public. Now you can walk in the grocery store and you know practically grab a megaphone and yell mental health at everybody. <laughs> yes. But、uh, I, I had some people.、Um, uh, overall, my friends and family supported me. No one gave me a hard time, which was my biggest thing. Was、uh, I just didn't want anybody to speak cruelly to me.、Mm. I was very. When you get into that state of. Uh, illness when、uh, you just feel very tossed about by the waves, sort of like、uh, a butterfly in a tornado, sort of thing. It's you feel very fragile, and I, I really I prayed for a long time that no one would give me a hard time because I didn't know how I'd be able to cope with that.、Right. And thankfully, no one did. But I, one thing that I will say is that I could have used more people to hang out with. Mm. To、uh, watch a movie with, to and and have people reach out to me. I do reach out to a lot of people. I try.、Um, it's uh, it's uh, actually on that on that note. There's a book by Vivek Murthy, M-U-R-T-H-Y, and it's called Together. And, and he was the 19th U.S.、Uh, Surgeon General, and he talked about the loneliness epidemic. And the numbers of people who are lonely on this planet are staggering. Uh, depending on how you define loneliness, you can have like thirty, forty, fifty, sixty percent of a country's population lonely,、mm. if not all the time, sometimes. And there are things we can do to combat that. And、uh, yeah, it's and people, but people want to get together. They want to connect. You just give them the opportunity, like、uh, 
you sort of have to you sort of have to steer people like uh, sheep a bit more to encourage them to talk right. to each other. Everybody wants to. Everybody wants to, and that's 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 part of the reason why I love talking because it, it, it I'm just in my jam. I was born at the right time for the right place because I love talking, and I have to say I agree with you. I remember growing up, um, even in my twenties, and saying I think the word for me personally, my perspective, I think. And I believe it is is it's a it could lead to such deep sickness is loneliness, because I could have been I've been I, I could be around hundreds of people and still feel lonely. I could be by myself and and feel lonely. And it's something that you can't pinpoint to heal at that moment. It has to be worked out in a very slow process. Because even if you're lonely, you can't just random random find anybody. You got to make sure that that person is helping you and not taking away from your mental energy. So I have to agree with you, you know, and that's one of the reasons why I started this podcast because you're right, everybody wants to talk. Everybody has a space to share and I I can listen. I love it. So why not take advantage of a situation, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> In a good way. <laughs> So, you know, I totally agree with that, you know, um, so when, when you were riding across, you know, biking and everything, what was one of the most, um, one of the, the most highlighted, um, um, insights you could take away from that journey from bike riding to one end to the other? What, what was the most amazing, the one, a great moment you can remember? A moment I can remember was probably uh, biking into my grandmother's neighborhood, into her house in Montreal, Canada, and uh, from the west coast of Canada, like something like 5,000 kilometers to get there. And I, through my whole life, I'd bike from the other side, the Atlantic coast, to or not bike, but driven to visit her from the, uh, from the east coast. Uh, it's like an eight-hour, ten-hour drive. And I remember as a kid doing that drive, it just seemed so far, so far. Like, oh my gosh, you know, we're going on a road trip to Montreal. Holy cow, <laughs> this is huge. And then to all of a sudden, so the whole trip, I was, uh, I was in, I was 20. I'd never been across Canada before, so it was all new. Every day was a new, new adventure. I'd never been any on any of those roads before. And then all of a sudden, one day, I turn a corner. I'm like, oh my gosh, I've been here before. But from the other side, coming from the other side, I was in Montreal, like my grandmother's house. Wow. And I said, oh my gosh, I remember biking or, you know, driving here, it seems so far away, now I'm going to bike it. It's like, what am I doing? <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, it's hard to comprehend distances across Canada mm. and planet when they're so vast. It's, uh, that, was a, that was a neat moment to think, you know, man, I, I bike here from the other side, even further. You know, you, you, you discovered the same thing that I, you know, I grew up in Toronto, born and raised in Toronto, Canada, and my husband and I made this, this pact that, you know, about seven years ago, we decided to do the RV from one end of Canada to the other. And I have to agree with you, I didn't know Canada was so big so just it was amazing it was discovering a whole country it was really it really was amazing and i it was i always tell people if you get the opportunity and you live in canada anywhere in the world go across it in any way and fashion that you can because canada is a really amazing majestic place when you take on a personal journey whether it be biking or rving and i and i, I have to say it really opened my eyes and it's healing it's really good oh, yeah. 
it's so good for the mental health because it's just it's to allow your mind especially the prairies i mean i, I was like what this is really some flat ass shit this is <laughs> it really is you can see for like what it's and but it's cool because it really brings your mind you really you realize that being in living in canada excuse me is a real blessing. I mean, the whole world is beautiful. The great creator, however you want to perceive it, really made something beautiful. But Canada has this magic about it, um, especially going through the mountains and and, and coming, because I live in BC right now. And, you know, I have to say that that alone, the journey and is good mental health. Like you said, biking, walking, those are the things that helped me get over my own childhood trauma. So, you know, if you're listening audience, hear those little tips, as much as they sound, may sound like what? Walking, walking is really good to work out issues in your mind, to have that positive dialogue. And it really could be, depending on where you are, the cure for loneliness. Because many times I just walk up to people and go, hey, how you doing? Well, I have a conversation. <laughs> I have no shame. I my mental health comes first, and if I want to talk to you, I'll find you. <laughs> um, yeah. So one of the things, you know, when I was growing up in the group homes, I was very, very, very blessed to befriend a friend of mine whose own father had the illness or the the mindset or the diagnosis, as she would say, of, of schizophrenia. And I remember not really seeing any symptoms. I didn't, you know, because TV has this one version of what schizophrenia looks like. And in real life, you know, it's it's not the same. Could you share with the listening audience what symptoms you noticed um, that led to your diagnosis? Yeah, so schizophrenia, 75% of people with schizophrenia have hallucinations. I was in the 25% that didn't. I've never hallucinated. Those hallucinations can be any of the five senses. And also some of the hallucinations can be beautiful and enjoyable. And they can be a mix. Some can be bad, some can be, some can be nice, and it can change throughout your life. But a lot of people are suffer tremendously from the relentless torment from uh, sun up, some, you know, from the time they get up to the time they go to bed of just these horrible voices. You know, when you're tying your shoes, when you're brushing your teeth, they just never stop. So it's, it's really tormenting. I never had that though, yeah. but I had other things that were very severe and like the psychosis part of it. And one of them was, it felt like I was watching TV. Right. I felt disconnected from the world. Uh, it's uh, it's really a feeling of like matter wasn't there. Mm. And one of the things I've been trained or relearning how to do is to navigate through just simple matter, like the stairs, the sidewalk, you know, getting in, in and out of the car, um, walking around anything in the house outside, uh, grabbing something, holding a fork, holding a glass, all these things were so difficult for me to do. I really just didn't want to move my body right. through space at all. I wanted to lie in bed a lot of the time. It was just so difficult to move my body. Um, I had disorganized thinking. I didn't think clearly, in some, but, but in some ways I could. There are people with schizophrenia who say, you know, part of my brain is, is really disorganized and not thinking clearly another part of my brain is thinking just fine and, and that was very true for me mm -hmm. i would you know there'd be things i couldn't think about it was hard for me to do math in my head i got straight a's in high school and, and engineering mostly in, in engineering and i could do you know i was doing fifth year level calculus right. but then with schizophrenia i couldn't do math in my head it was uh 
part of your brain that thinks about things generally goes. You can only think about things specifically. Or another way of putting it is like you can't think you can't think about things that are intangible, like concepts, ideas. It's hard to visualize stuff in some ways. But uh, at the same time, I could think like, okay, Matthew, what do you want to do now? Well, I could go watch a TV show, or I could go for a walk, or maybe I'll go back to school and uh, plan that out. You know, I could make large decisions and small decisions. But it really was the feeling that you get is like walking a tightrope over shark-infested waters. Right. Or being chased by a heat-seeking tornado, a lot of fear. I had depression, anxiety, and the anxiety was bad. It was like uh, people talk about butterflies in your stomach. It was like I had a machete through my chest. It was really bad, and just uh, just to live that way. But but what I want to tell people is that as bad as it can be in the earth when you when it first hits, it can often dissipate. It may not go away entirely. It may take a long time to go. Away. But or may go away in a shorter time. Who knows? But the pain can lessen after a short uh, after sh- sooner than you think, perhaps. Yeah. And that allows you to fight for longer. Right. Wow. And it's uh, yeah. So though I never had any problems with substance abuse. Right. I I faithfully took my medication. I did not want to be all chained to a medication. At the age of 22, after having just bike across Canada, plus I was depressed, so I couldn't see the positive in medication. I was like, "Oh my gosh, what's going on?" This I so excited. But as years go on, I'm like, you "Really? All I have to do is pop a pill, and I'm okay?" Right. Isn't that like the ultimate solution to anything? <laughs> yeah, pretty much, eh? <laughs> I mean, yeah, I have to live a healthy lifestyle, but everyone should. Everyone should live a healthy lifestyle. But basically, now it's like a pop a pill, and I do what I want. Right. It's, uh, real. Yeah. But uh, there's a guy with schizophrenia. I think he's in California. His name's uh, Brandon Staglin, okay. and he's a schizophrenia advocate. He, I don't, I, I think he still has symptoms, but he says, you know, he's so blessed by his disease. He's learned so much. And I, I'll be honest. I had a tough time with gratitude, Ooh. thinking positively in some ways. Right. Um, I could think positively well in other ways, but in some ways I couldn't. And humor about what I was going through. It was uh, those things I struggled with. And other people may have an easier time. There's a lady, about 25 or so, in Saskatchewan, Canada, with schizophrenia, and she is doing things with schizophrenia that I was not doing at her age. Wow.、Uh, she's so.、Uh, I'm like, I asked her like, how is it the medication? Is that what's what that allows you to be more functional? She didn't know, but、uh, it, I, I don't like. I said I'm not. I'm not great on the newer medications and what's out there and how fast they act, but I try to tell people there's hope. I love that. You、yes. have no idea what tomorrow is going to bring. There are going to be so many advancements in mental health and attitudes and awareness and treatment of us、uh, with mental health issues.、Um, yeah. You know, I, I love how you say that because you know, you know, living in this society, you get to a point where you, you kind of have to question if if the if the the, the those who are running you know running it with the pow- people in power really want the best for us, because you see these things you know and you're like, do am I going to get well? Is what's really working? And when you talk and you said, you know what, regardless of whatever ails you, you know. Have hope because we really don't know what tomorrow will bring. We don't know what what can be、um, created through 
conversation, what can be created to make you feel better, help you, what foods, what new drugs, whatever it is that can help you. And so to the listening audience, nothing is set in stone, no matter what diagnosis you get. It, you know, whether it be something to, to do with mental illness, something more physical, something within your community, it really, nothing is set in stone. We have the power, you as an individual, you have, have the power to change your life by making the choices. And, and like Matthew said, doing your homework, reading books, finding alternative ways to live or not even live with it, to make the best version of you despite what has been placed upon you. And that's the magic of, of being human. Cause we just, you know, I really love that. A lot of people forget that Matthew, that the life is full of hope, you know? And every day you wake up and you take a breath, you get an opportunity to make that hope amazing. So thank you for doing that. And you know, during your, your journey, you, as you said, you're an advocate now, where can people connect with you to talk about um, such illnesses as, they, as, as, as they've been labeled? But, or even talk about their own personal mental health journey where you can assist them in guiding them where to get information. Where can people find you? Here is conversation with Queen B. Divine and Matthew D., who helps people with mental illness in developing countries. And today's topic is schizophrenia, the journey of recovery. Yeah, go to mindaid.ca, M-I-N-D-A-I-D.ca. That's my website. All my social media handles are there. My email is there too in the contact section, uh, info at mindaid.ca. And that website is, so I'll help people with mental illness wherever I can. My main focus is mental health in developing countries because I think they've got it the worst, mm. uh, worse than us. Yes. But uh, that said, there's a man, uh, Shekhar Saxena, he spoke at the UN, he's from Harvard, he said every country, when it comes to mental health care, is a developing country. Yes. So, yes. Uh, one thing I want to mention on that note is there's a guy in Nova Scotia, Canada, Todd Leader, he's got a book called It's Not About Us, and he radically transformed his mental health system in his area, and he teaches people how to do the same thing in his book for the rest of Canada, and I argue for other countries, and like I said, I'm no expert, but I'm sure you could, other countries can learn from it too. He got wait times from like eight months down to uh, three weeks or a week or less, uh, things like that. Uh, many different things he did, and it was all—it was basically shifting the system from a from a bureaucracy-centered system to a client-centered system. When somebody walks into a waiting room, how long is it before you see them? Do you rush up to them right away and say, "How can we help you?" Or do you let them sit there and fill up paperwork for an hour? Things like that. There's mm -hmm. the, the books full of things on how you can do that and how he how he has already done that. Wow. He's already done that in his area of Nova Scotia. So that's uh, if the rest of us could follow suit from that, that would be yeah. What and what a suit to wear. That's the kind of suit that we all should be wearing. Like you know, I, I love when people change the 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 narrative that's going on in the medical industry. We 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 need change. I um, mean, a lot of things, and then, you know, what you brought up too, COVID really broke wide open this whole mental health thing, because as much, you know, COVID really sucked, but what if, what we figured out mentally, like a lot of people's like, wait a minute, I see, I, I need to change my life. I need to change my partner. I need to change my job. <laughs> and this brought up a lot of mental health issues because people are like, was I sad all this time and COVID just kind of 
focused it and went, okay, this is your chance. So, you know, no matter what the situation we're going through, there is always a silver lining, so to speak, something that we can learn. And for every person that you talk to, it's kindness is always something that should be at the forefront because you never know what stories or what the journey someone's going through. And it's, that's what makes human beings so amazing we have the capability to heal each other through the power of words and matthew is a great example of that taking a journey across canada with his bike and becoming an, a mental health advocate despite what the world might label him he's like no i ain't a cat of soup you can't label me i got things to do <laughs> So we'll take him as an example. And before we go, is there any last words you'd like to say for, for, for this podcast um, um, before I sign off, Matthew? I want to tell people, if you're going through mental illness and you're thinking, oh, I can't do this or I can't do that, I wish I could do more things with my life, I want to remind you that your recovery is an amazing accomplishment. And if all you can do today is stay in bed, if that's all you can do, I want to remind you that that is an amazing accomplishment. You're here for another day. You'll be here for tomorrow too. And there are, it's, I just want to remind you that it's uh, Carrie Fisher, the uh, actress, uh, Princess Leia from Star Wars. She had bipolar and she said that people with mental illness should be awarded medals for their bravery, for their courage. So if you're struggling right now, I want to remind you that you should be at a ceremony right now <laughs> with medals being pinned to your chest by the Prime Minister of Canada or the leader of whatever country you live in. Nice. And with crowds cheering, saying, wow, you actually did that? You actually survived that? You actually went through that? How did you do that? I don't know if I could have done that. They'd all be saying, I don't know. Oh my gosh, what an amazing accomplishment. You know, I, I love that. We are truly our mental soldiers who, um, when we realize when challenge is happening, we really do find the, the, the true potential of how powerful we are and the power of the mind. So t take that. Know that there's a medal waiting for you. Every day when you wake up, you should have one pinned to you. And if you go through something still, we deserve that medal. And if you can't find that outer medal, remember to give yourself that inner medal for being you and being strong enough to go through each and every day. I'm Queen Be Divine. And remember, if you're looking for love outside yourself, you've gone way too far. Start within and then let it resonate out into the rest of the world. I'm Queen Be Divine here with Matthew. And we'll talk soon because the cure is a conversation. And like I always say, blase, blase means to tell your story. One love. Now a word from our sponsor. Are you a lost traveler? Of course you are. We all are. Whether we're traveling the landscapes of our own imaginations or the globe itself, each of us is looking for answers or perhaps new questions. Join me, your host, Henry Cameron Allen, on the adventure of a lifetime, where we'll talk about developing skills for a new day. We are all pioneers now. Each of us a teacher, each of us a student. Let's talk about it on The Lost Traveler. You're listening to The Curious Conversation with Queen Be Divine and Dale W., a coach for families of those diagnosed with schizophrenia. Part 2, Schizophrenia, The Journey Towards Recovery.
You sure can call me Queen Bee. I've been called worse. <laughs> greetings, greetings, greetings. I'm Queen Bee Divine, and welcome to the Cures of Conversation. Today, I have a wonderful guest who's going to share his journey into becoming a more best version of himself through learning and experiencing and sharing that journey with you. But before we begin, know that the conversation is meant to heal. So find someone to talk to, and remember, mental health doesn't have to have a stigma. It could be just the next step to being the best version of you. So like I say, blase, blase, tell your story. So Dale, introduce yourself and tell us all about your journey. Uh, well, thank you very much, uh, Queen Bee, and I love uh, your tagline, the cure is the conversation, and uh, I'm sure we'll have a good one. I, I, uh, but uh, So to, uh, to give the uh, two-minute uh, summary, uh, I was, I was, uh, after my freshman year at Dartmouth, I was a successful freshman at Dartmouth College, and, uh, basically I was really into drugs and everything, and, uh, so I was going the summer term after my freshman year, and, uh, basically my, my brain took off, and, uh, I figured out, I, I, I figured out what I thought was the greatest joke I'd ever come up with, which was, hi, I'm God. So, uh, and then I would like see how long it was before I'd say it and then see how long it was before I burst into hysterical laughter because how could God be five foot eight? So, <laughs> well, one thing led to another and uh, the next thing I knew, I found myself in the infirmary and three days later, I was uh, in a mental hospital in New York City, uh, which led to, uh, 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 and you know confinement in a closed unit for 13 weeks and then I went to a pro I came to a program in Hackensack where I still live uh, for five and a half years a residential psychiatric program I was hospitalized when I was in the program like nine times and I've had a total of 15 hospitalizations which ended in 2005 uh, and uh, I, I, one thing I say proudly is uh I was hospitalized 15 times and I was discharged 15 times. So, <laughs> That's a good uh, thing. That, that, that took a lot of uh, self-awareness and everything. But right. uh, basically, so I, I was diagnosed uh, in my first hospitalization as a paranoid schizophrenic. And uh, so I've been dealing with uh, this diagnosis for 47 years. And uh, about three years ago, I, mean, I feel that uh, even though I'm on medication and I'm basically recovered. And uh, so about three years ago, I was thinking, you know, what am I going to do with my life? I'm in my 60s. And uh, so I came to the realization that really my journey w was, was my strength. Right. And um, you know, so I decided to start a coaching business uh, for the families of schizophrenia to help the family members who I call the uh, forgotten victims of mental illness. And uh, that's what I'm working on now. I'm, I'm building my business and uh, I've come up with a method which is called the Live Love Method, which is an acronym for le learn and uh, integrate, validate, explore, and then love is listen, observe, value, and express. So those are like the eight steps of my program. It's like a three-month program that I'm building. And um, that, that basically brings us up to the present. 
You know what? That's you know that's very amazing. I love how you you have moved forward into your future by sharing your light and sharing your expertise in in so you can help another. Did you find the journey in creating this program? Um, what was was it a lot of homework you had to do, or did you pull from a lot of personal experience? Uh, both, but uh, basically, I, I feel that. Uh, there, there are like two million schizophrenics and uh, people with schizophrenia. I don't call, say schizophrenics because right. that's one of the things that I fight against is this I, identification of, of the identity with the disease right. or with the illness. So I say people with schizophrenia are, you know, people affected by schizophrenia. But uh, ultimately, uh, I feel that I'm in a unique position because I'm not a professional. I, I'm not like a therapist or anything who's like learned about everything through books i've actually experienced uh going through schizophrenia and i feel that like my point of view is very valuable because uh uh because the need for the type of insight i can have is is not only invaluable but uh also very rare because uh one of one of one of the callings that i really feel is uh to be able to enunciate and to speak for the people with the illness that are unable to speak for themselves. You know, that that's very important. People, you know, people who have been diagnosed with whatever the medical um, community has deemed as a mental illness or a mental challenge, they definitely need advocates to speak up for them because sometimes it's, it's not a very easy to communicate what you're feeling. And because you're a person who has gone through the journey, successfully come out the other side, and you are now creating a workshop, building a workshop to help another you can definitely be the voice of those who who find it challenging to speak to me, uh, mental care uh, workers in this field. So thank you for doing that and, and and sharing your time. Did you when you were growing up? Did you did you did you know anybody who was um, going through what you what you have gone through? Uh, no, I, well. My, 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 the closest person to me in that regard was my mother who was, I mean, I mean she, she saw a psychiatrist for 50 years right. and she was on medication without all that time. And uh, so, uh, you know, I, I was like sort of exposed to it secondhand, but, uh, you know, and when I, when I did have my break at Dartmouth, it was like, like you know, it was sort of like a biogenetic uh, predisposition, I think that was like, triggered by my drug use because it wasn't just marijuana I was using, I was using LSD and mescaline right. and you know, w when I was at Dartmouth, I, I say when I was at Dartmouth, that's the model for the movie Animal House. Yes. I don't know if you know, I don't know yes, if you I know do. Animal House, it, it, but uh, it, you know, it, it was like crazy partying and uh, you know, and I, I, I took pride because I felt I was one of the best party boys there. Right. And then I and then I got uh, hospitalized and changed my life. So, uh, but uh, you know, I feel the need the need for people who understand who have been in the in the illness and understand it from an inside out point of view are essential, and I, that's why I'm speaking out as much as I do. You know, you know, again, thank you for sharing your time. And like, you know, like I always say, blase, blase, uh, tell your story, the cure is a conversation. And when we speak up about the journey, we give 
others hope um, so they can continue their journey. What do you do now, Dale, now that you've come out of the other side, you've gone through your journey? What do you do now to stay balanced? What do you go outside? What are your special interests? And how do you how do you use them to heal? Well, I, uh, I, I, I decided on my 10th birthday, I was going to be a rider. And one of the uh, ironies of my illness is it gave me, because I didn't have to work and every, I mean, I was very fortunate that my parents had the means to like to support me and everything. So I never really had to work, but uh, you know, so I, the, the irony is that it gave me the time to devote to my writing that I always wanted to from the age of 10. So uh, I, before, I, I went back to college in 1980 after getting out of the program. And I got my own apartment and, you know, that's something else that very few, I think very few schizophrenia, uh, people with schizophrenia achieve is like living independently. But I've been living independently for 41 years and went back to college, graduated magna cum laude from Fairleigh Dickinson University. And uh, before I graduated, I wrote six novels. And then when I graduated, I turned my focus to poetry. And, uh, you know, it's been very therapeutic and very helpful in my journey, but now I have an archive of approximately 4,000 poems that I've written since 1985, including five books on Amazon. Wow, well, congratulations on your success in the literary, the literary area. Um, you know, you know, it, when when we when I look at you and I see, you know, just like myself, I've been through my journey and I I've, I consider myself a success because I'm still breathing and I can share the story. I can feel the kinship between our between you and I and so many other people because I know that it takes a certain type of resilience to get up every morning and say I'm gonna make a difference. I'm going to make the best version of myself. What was the most difficult part of your journey? Uh, well, the most difficult part of my journey was when my delusion that I was God ended it. It was uh, uh, basically, I, 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 I was, I was uh, it, it was 10 years after I first got diagnosed and taken away. Right. And I was in the pro, I was out of the program, but I was on my own. And uh, basically I, I, I saw the world as uh, what, what I call the war between duck and muck. Right. And uh, so basically I was the leader of the ducks and uh, uh, one morning in September 1984, uh, I felt that muck was having a fall offensive against my campus, which is where all my soldier, my student body soldiers were. So right. I was walking across the bridge to mobilize them at six o'clock in the morning. And I had a series of six flashes, which ended in seeing the world incinerated in a, a nuclear thermonuclear holocaust. And uh, that that's what I called the death of Dale. And that, that led me to an alternate personality for 30 years, uh, who I called Dewey. And, uh, but that, that was like, you know, that, that experience was like the hardest thing I ever gone through because, you know, I, I just kept saying, you know, the hardest thing to do is to mourn for yourself. But basically everything I knew is Dale was destroyed in that flat, in that flash of, uh, in, uh, of inspiration, if you want to call it that. Wow, you know what, you know, congratulations, you know, and, and sharing your story in such a transparent way is very inspiring. And I know the listeners right now are being inspired by you because, you know, my, my, my belief for this show and this talk show is to make sure to, to, 
to give that energy to make sure people get that message across that mental health mental health is not something that we should be ashamed of we should every day do something positive towards our mental health so we don't have to face possible illness and when people like you say you know what this is what's happened to me this is what I've done and I, and I go through I honor your journey you know I was just talking to someone in the last interview that said you know we deserve medals every day for getting up <laughs> and I believe it <laughs> I believe it. I believe it. So when 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 you today every day that you get up, is there something that you can contribute your success to? What do you do now? Um, what's your day like every day when you get up in the morning to you at the, during the day helping others to move through their journey? What is your day like? Uh, well, my my, my actually uh, I I was talking about uh, basic. I, I, I found an opportunity to uh, become a financial, uh, you know, educator in financial illiteracy about a year ago in, through, an, uh, through a Transamerica insurance uh, umbrella. Right. And so I, I'm, I've been teaching uh, people financial literacy and how to save money and how to budget and everything. And that's been very fulfilling. But uh, I. You know, my faith is always, my faith, even when I thought I was God, I knew I wasn't. I, I always like answer to a higher power, you know? Uh, so, but my faith has been like extremely important to me. And, you know, I basically begin every day with that. There, there are two little books called Words of Hope and uh, right. you remember, uh, Upper Room. And those are like little scripture, you know, passages every morning. So. I do that and uh, I, I work out at the gym three times a week uh, and basically I just have, you know, I, I do whatever I need to do for my financial services and, uh, but ultimately, I, I think the most important thing is to, uh, you have to realize that when you're in the midst of a mental illness, uh, in the midst of a mental illness, you have like two sides of yourself fighting for control of your soul. You have the positive side, the healthy side, and the sick side. Right. And uh, it's the old uh, adage about which wolf uh, will you, will survive, the evil wolf or the good wolf, and it'll be the wolf that you feed. So, right. you know, what, what I would emphasize to people is the need to feed your healthy side. And, you know, to, e even if you're in, in the midst of, like, the darkness of mental illness, you know, keep that light of, like, there is a hope and there is like something I can do to, uh, you know, overcome this and never give up hope. And that goes for the families that I deal with too, because so many of them just come up to me. I mean, before COVID, I was building a, a speaking career right. and, uh, you know, people would come up to me and say, just thank you for giving us hope. Oh, beautiful. I, you know what? That's, that's, that's the most important um, one of my most important lessons that I've learned on my own journey um, growing up in Toronto, Canada and living through the challenges of childhood is the people who gave me hope and, and I translated my journey um, that I've gone through in hope. So I want to say thank you again. And before we wrap up, Dale, please let people know who resonate with your story, who want to talk further about your story and those people who, who want to reach out and talk to someone who knows about the journey. Where can they meet, reach you? Uh, well, I, I actually have a website. It's uh, www.dew, which is my initials, do 
live l-i-v-e love l-o-v-e dot net so it's www.do live love all one word dot net and then i also have a uh, email address which is a uh, dalewalt55 at yahoo.com Ah, wonderful. So I want to say thank you again to Dale and those who are listening to the Curious Conversation. Remember this? This is all about sh those who are sharing their stories. So if it resonates with you, please reach out and talk to any one of these guests that can help you. And if Dale resonates with you, make sure you check him out and all the information will be in the description box below. And remember, if you're looking for love from outside yourself, you've gone too far. Start within and let it rest resonate out in the world. So thank you again for listening to the Curious of Conversation. I'm Queen Be Divine and I'll talk to you again. Thank you. <laughs>